to hear your word to be strong in your word to realize that your word is all we need it is your bond it is your assurance it is everything that we need to face any situation and we pray for Rory and Wendy Alec and we pray reconciliation over them right now Father we thank you that, that there is a, a uh, savior for them for um, for this marriage we thank you that Jesus Christ the righteous is there for both of them so we honor you we bless you we love you today Lord we love that you are doing this according to your will in Jesus name amen and praise God amen 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 so today we're going to talk about until God speaks until God speaks what what goes on until God speaks and I was thinking about this in light of many things that uh, are happening around the earth. And we need God's voice to come through in so many situations. So, uh, you know, but uh, we will see a lot of things that are not um, beneficial. They're not holy, edifying. They're not right. Um, they're they're uh, oppressive. All kinds of things until God speaks. And that's what we want. We want the voice of God in all situations because his voice is the only one that's going to make it right. Only one that's going to make it right. And so until God speaks, there are certain things that we can expect to go on in the world. And we need to pray the word of God so that the voice of God gets heard and gets declared in these situations. There is a chain of of authority. There is a chain of command uh, in God's kingdom that comes through the realm of his spirit. And God will move on people to speak his word, to pray his word, to believe his word to begin to prophesy and declare his word into the realm of the spirit and then God has permission to put that word into the hearts and the minds of others uh, to speak so that his word goes out uh, swiftly begins to run swiftly upon the earth and those people who would be affected by it and uh, could benefit from hearing it uh, will hear God's word and so it's a blessing to know that God can speak in the situations and clear them up. He can speak in the situations and change them. Uh, but until God speaks, these things will go on. And so what we want to do as believers is always pray the word of God. Pray the revelation of God. Uh, pray what God wants to see happen in situations. Not our own thinking or our own little visions that we put forth. And that's not prophetic prayer. And God showed me that so many years ago. He said prophetic prayers just really prophesying my word that I've already written. And he always would take me back to uh, Luke chapter 4 when Jesus was tempted of Satan in the wilderness. And he said it is written. And God said that's the only thing I honor. He said I don't want you uh, letting people come to your meetings and talk about things they saw over what city and who's in charge of this and that and he said stay away from that just stay with what I've given you and that's he said this is a sure word of prophecy is what's in the Bible and so it's been a a safeguard for us and it's been a blessing too because I've seen myself and and you and others grow in the knowledge of God by, by just praying our prayers consistently we have an answer already in our hearts about things we know what that we can expect God to move and what we can expect him to do 
And so that gives you a readiness uh, in the spirit for uh, for the right answer uh, to not be discouraged, uh, to always be encouraged in God because you know within you uh, that God has the answer and that he's willing to do it. You know it's not something that some kind of wish thing that we wish God would do something or we want it so bad and but it's never going to happen. Uh, we live in anticipation and expectation of God moving because we have that faith on the inside of us uh, based on our prayer and based on our faithfulness to pray the word of God so that word is a great foundation it's a sure foundation and it is what's needed in every situation to bring it up to the standard of God to bring it up to a higher standard for people for people can live when God reigns when the righteous prosper the city rejoices you know when the wicked perish their shouts of joy and so we we always assume sometimes the worst that people don't want they have to want to change well you don't know what's in people's hearts uh, you don't know why people continue down the same road why did you continue down the same road before God met you and so we have to always pray the word of God expect great things from God but until God speaks there are certain things that will um, persist so um, the first thing we need to talk about is the fact that gross darkness will exist in a situation until God speaks. You can expect gross darkness to prevail until God speaks. So really what's wrong with whatever we're looking at that's not lined up with God's word is that God has not spoken into it yet. He hasn't spoken into it and or he has not stirred up his people to begin to uh, stir him up to do something about it. And so when we see gross darkness uh, we know that there it's a situation that God will readily correct. He will readily correct it. I know many times we look at the situation in this country. It seems like every state's going to legalize gay marriage. It seems like every state's going to do this and it, but it doesn't matter what every state does God will speak amen he will speak and when he speaks he gives a definitive answer to things and there's no going back from it got me there's no going back uh, I was watching some of the um, uh, commemorations of 50 years since the bloody Sunday in Selma Alabama you remember there was a voting rights march and uh, the people uh, officials there uh, the police there uh, loose dogs on uh, the participants and hosed them down we saw all that stuff on television I think that was one of the uh, enlightenments that happened uh, during the age of TV that you could see everything as it was occurring and people's eyes were opened to what was going on in other parts of their own country and that caused a lot of people to get involved that had not gotten involved before and really it was God speaking and saying this injustice is not pleasing to me and I've had enough of it and so God began to raise up spokespersons to reiterate his voice and you can't speak anything anything that works it has to be something God says it's not going to work if it's not what God says and really uh, the days had, had long since passed that it was tolerable in the hearts and minds of most people to treat people unjustly just people themselves don't have a stomach for that kind of thing they, they don't 
And so once it was uh, portrayed on, on national TV and international television, there were many other countries that took a dim view of America after that. And, and much of what we've done has been to win the confidence of, of other nations that we are a fair country and we do what we say we're going to do and we're not hypocritical about it. And so that was a turning point where there was gross darkness in in areas of our own nation where God spoke into it and said enough is enough. That this is not right. I did not create people to abuse one another and I did not create one race of people a superior to another all people are created equal and that that they are to be treated equal and so we saw those old institutions began to fall and we saw greater prosperity come into a place that where darkness was really um, uh, prevalent uh, in the 60s and the times before the 60s uh, most of the southern states had the lowest literacy rate uh, they had the lowest income rate they had very very little in the way of industry uh, because darkness kept innovation and all of those blessings of God out of that area uh, of the country and when those laws started to be reversed you saw greater um, migration of large industries to the south and people began to be free to move there and work there and to prosper so there is a blessing that comes with enlightenment with God's enlightenment so in Genesis chapter 1 we see how God treats gross darkness So until he speaks, darkness clouds a situation. It says here, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That was the beginning. There came a time, or there was a time, when the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, what is darkness and what is light? Um, darkness really uh, can be defined as um, uh, one of the terms for darkness is misery. So God, it wasn't just dark like the lights out. But there was a component of darkness that was miserable. Another word for darkness is destruction. And this is in line with Satan's fall to the earth did some damage to the earth. Uh, there's, you know, the the debate about the uh, the long earth, new earth debate, even among Christians. Uh, they don't want to somehow the the thing about this this chapter of where the earth being without form and void and darkness and so forth is hard for the the uh, people who don't believe in a longer creation. You know, like a day being longer than a day kind of thing. Hard for them to explain how that happened. And so somebody's going to have to pray a little harder, dig a little deeper to get all the mysteries. But this may remain a mystery. And we'll just have to accept the Bible face value. But anyway, he said, let there be light. And there was light. And it was good. So light is good. You can say light is goodness. You can say light is God. Light is God's word. So when God speaks into a situation, it goes from misery, destruction, Another word for darkness is death. Death reigned. Obscurity. To obscure something means to hide it from plain view. 
shadows. It also means ignorance. So we're talking about darkness of the mind and the soul. It means sorrow. And it also means wickedness. So this darkness really is more than just the lights being out. There's some activities that go along with darkness. That describe and define darkness. You see. So there's wickedness in darkness. There's also a hidden something in darkness. And this is one of the things that that the Bible says about God. It says he shrouds himself in thick darkness. So he wears darkness like a cloak. So he's, but he's always present. So p- people may argue that, well, if God is light, where does God go in the darkness? Well, that's his cloak that he wears. He shrouds himself in thick darkness. So really, God controls everything. He is never. There is never any place that God is not. And so when when uh, when darkness prevails. Wickedness prevails. Injustice prevails. Sorrow, ignorance, obscurity prevail. Trouble prevails. These are dark situations. That just means that God has cloaked himself in that situation. He is not far away. He is not um, oblivious to what's going on. It's not new to God what's going on. He is shrouding himself in the darkness that exists. So he, and that's how he can say he is your very present help in trouble, because he's right there. He's right there, waiting for us to call on him so that he can speak into the situation. And bring light and correction. So when we seek God. It is because we want a resolution to the problems that darkness creates. We want a resolution to the problems that darkness creates. God is there to resolve things. Not to make you feel better about your darkness. Uh, He's there to help get the situation right. To make it good. To bring light, to bring understanding, to bring a remedy, to bring hope, and to bring answers. So even when uh, uh, the implication here is that there is an answer but it is hidden from us. So darkness actually hides truth from us. It actually hides answers and it hides understanding from us. There are times where I've been ministering say at the altar and a person will come up and they're all depressed and troubled and and God will give me the answer for them. And you can tell the countenance changes immediately. They'll go from confused and depressed and then boom, boom, boom. The face lights up and you can see that God has pierced through that darkness. Well, God wants to do that with every situation that we get into that's that darkness dominates in it. Darkness can dominate in all kinds of situations where we think things are going on well. So that's what discernment is for. So really God determines what's darkness and what's light. He decides what's dark and what's light. Okay. Sometimes people can be going along very happily in a situation and assume that everything's hunky-dory and then all of a sudden trouble breaks out. And what has happened is a greater darkness has been hidden underneath a lighter darkness. There are degrees of darkness. The Bible says sin has pleasure for a season. So there's 
we all know sin to be darkness disobedience wickedness and all that kind of stuff but there is a place where the darkness that's in it is hidden from plain view the darkness lies under the surface so we can feel that you know like for instance if you have somebody you feel is a friend and all of a sudden they turn on you there's been darkness there all the time and and you have hints of it sometimes you have hints and and (laughs) glances of it but because it's similar to your little darkness that you like to pet you don't pay any attention to it you know what I'm saying I mean we all have that you know you you have some friends and they have this issue with something and you just gloss it over because you know who am I to judge and you know I like them anyway kind of you know we do that stuff and so there's darkness hidden beneath other layers of darkness so there is a a to to the human soul there is a light component to darkness that discernment will make you aware of so discernment is that little uh, on the inside of you in your belly that goes off when God is telling you that this is not for you this is not right this is something you need to challenge this is something but God I like them and they're my friend and I don't want to upset them if you're afraid to upset anybody already know the answer don't you and so you know that that there's darkness there don't be afraid to challenge it don't be afraid to distance themselves one of the things that I've always found to be a safeguard is to ask God God if you want me to speak to them I know they're going to get angry with me if I say something can you create a situation to open the door so that they will receive what I have to say because it doesn't help any if if you speak into darkness and it's not received and it's not heard I mean eventually it gets chipped away at but that's not the best of situations especially when they're on your level you're not an authority in their lives and and I've learned even as a pastor I have to allow God to get that person ready to hear what the truth is because some people get so steeped in the darkness they they don't know darkness from light they think they're dealing in light and they think they've heard from God or they think they are entitled to something or they have an answer nobody else has or it's okay everybody understands that kind of stuff so human reasoning can hide a lot of darkness underneath it there's a lot of things that people promote as answers to human problems there have been vaccines created that looked very promising at the outset and then years later down the road they find out there are these horrific uh, thalidomide was one of those in the 50s it was given as a um, a morning sickness pill to pregnant women and then all of a sudden all these babies started being born without limbs and so it was it was thought and then when people started looking at it you mean just because of throwing up in the morning I get a baby with you see what I'm saying and so it just shows the darkness that was already in the situation got hidden by greater darkness and it was just all was created out of darkness you know what I'm saying women have been having morning sickness from forever it's like a traditional problem and you know if you go to to uh, places in the backwoods where they can't afford medical care and they hang you upside down and say I'll just throw up girl and go back and have some more breakfast you know that was my mom's remedy she always had morning sickness she said I get up from the table and go throw up and I go sit back down again and eat some more 
you know and you because you knew the baby had to have food so it's kind of one of those situations where I think the the devil is assigned to stop life, you know, before it even gets here, and that's one of those assignments. And so, and then there are tons of women that never have it, you know. So you just, you know, just have to understand it's not that serious that you want to remedy it by sacrificing the health and well-being of an unborn child. And so, there's a lot of darkness hidden in what the world's wisdom thinks is wise. World's wisdom always carries with it a penalty of the curse. And so there will be darkness even in some of the wise solutions of the earth. There are side effects to all medication. You know you take it it's, it says uh, uh, effects. Uh, lowers blood pressure via blah 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 and they give you a long explanation of the one positive benefit and then side effects there's at least 30 of them you see and so you you have to understand that the curse follows in every situation so I'm just saying that to say even the world's best answer is going to be flawed in some way you cannot get your wisdom from the world at all wisdom must come from God and God must speak into these situations to bring light enlightenment goodness hope and a remedy so there will not be goodness hope and a remedy until God speaks and he must speak in the situations we can't uh, sit up and figure out our own answers uh, unfortunately we've got people who are being sought out for answers and they're not letting God speak these are responsible Christian leaders who will not allow God to speak through them they come up with their own answers out of their own mind and we all know that carnal mind is darkened in its understanding Uh, it doesn't have God's resolve to remedy the situation Uh, people who say things like well you know homosexuality is sin but everybody's born in sin that that doesn't help the homosexual get out of it see that's not the answer uh, it's not the answer is not to soft pedal sin because you don't know how to help people to get free and that's really the problem most of the people they ask don't have the ability to help people to get free because they don't have God speaking to them on this issue somebody needs to pray and get an answer from God and then speak that answer to the people that want help so when somebody comes and wants help God will be there for them but God is not there in all these theoretical situations where well what do you think about this issue and God's not there God is in the place where there is a homosexual crying out for help that's where God is he's not in the debate because the debate is another issue it's another situation of nothing but darkness everybody can have an opinion about something but until God speaks that's all it is is an opinion it it has nothing to do with anything real and so God you will find God speaking when there is a sincere desire for righteousness because that's the one thing he says will be taken care of that will be that that desire will be fulfilled when you hunger and thirst for righteousness you hunger and thirst for the right thing you hunger and thirst for God's remedy he guarantees that hunger will be filled 
And so when we keep a hunger for righteousness and not just a hunger for answers or hunger to to have our our, uh, words reiterated by everybody and to, you know, sell a bunch of books based on our opinion about something. When we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we'll get a resolution to all of the problems of the earth. There's no there's no doubt in my mind that God has a ready answer for every problem that we face on this earth. But it will not come until people want righteousness. You want God's answer. You want God to speak. You don't want anybody else's opinions. But you want really an elimination to the problem because you want God to speak. And so when when we want God to speak to us to bring light and hope and answers then he will resolve the problem that's the only time the problem will be resolved is when we want God to speak to us and bring light and hope and answers there are many people Christians who preach the gospel that don't really believe the gospel is the answer they've gotten so familiar with a, a powerless gospel that they want to believe that there's something else out there that will help people but but the bible says that the gospel is the power of god unto salvation to everybody who believes only thing you got to do is preach it the way god puts it in your heart to preach it and believe it's going to do what it's supposed to do and just because a person uh, leaves your church or, or doesn't want to be your friend anymore once you've told them the truth that doesn't mean that word's not going to work on them and it doesn't mean that word won't bear fruit. It will bear fruit. Uh, we saw that, you know, uh, recently. Several people came back to the ministry. Apologetic. I, I didn't understand what you all were trying to do. And, and God's been talking to me ever since I left. And yeah, it happens all the time. Not just here, but in the churches too. Where people leave uh, prematurely. They leave offended and, and go stew for ten years. And their life doesn't get any better. See, the darkness that they came to eliminate God darker in their absence and so what can you do you embrace people you forgive them you invite them back you have to have it in your heart to do that I've seen churches that take people back and they're treated like lepers when they come back you see you don't do that to God's sheep you you help them they said if you, you see a brother overtaken in a fault you know you restore them in meekness you can't lord it all over people when they want restoration and you have to be equipped to restore you know you've got to know you're the one to do the restoration work sometimes you're not the one to do the work of restoration and oftentimes they can do better elsewhere and, and they know it and so you when you know it and they know it it'll work but I think it's good to always be willing to obey God's word restore people uh, see them as people who can make mistakes just like you can make mistakes and be forgiven just like you can be forgiven and so it's it's a good thing but but they've got to seek the restoration you can't push it on them you understand you you have to let that process happen where God speaks into their darkness and they get enlightened and they see what God has been trying to tell them all all along and they want God's will so many hesitate because we feel responsible for the darkness and many times people will hesitate to seek God's voice and to seek God to speak in situations because they feel responsible for the darkness so the darkness will become a part of you and you'll start to own darkness instead of renounce it in your life and so you don't want God to speak in situations because you're afraid of what he'll say 
Now that's totally normal for human beings. When you're you're caught uh, in a fault or you're caught somewhere. And this is why you see a lot of people who uh, seek restoration. Maybe get a fragment of it and don't get the total effect of God's restoration process. Uh, You see it many times with leaders who, who fall. You know, they'll they'll come back somewhat to God, but when the darkness starts to be revealed, it kind of gets to be too much for them. They go hide it again, you know, and push it down again, and you see the same things start to to crop up on them. I was watching Jim Baker recently, and I see he's selling products on there. You know, that's what got him in trouble the first time and it really was unfortunately it was the first time there was nothing really it didn't appear to be uh, uh, um, intentional on his part deceptive on his part or or really you know kind of um, insidious it was just kind of like sloppy bookkeeping what they did was was that people began to complain about that um, when they were building the amusement park you know condo thing down there uh, and and uh, people began to complain because when they would call and check on the property they had they were given a run around and you know people started to buy up so much so quick their bookkeeping got out of joint and out of order and when they started to tally what they had sold versus what they had capacity to build and all they were short and so they got them on fraud charges but you saw Jim Baker humble himself while he was in prison and he he you know God started to restore him when he got out of prison you know his old shenanigans start popping up again so now he's selling uh, doomsday provisions or something like that freeze dried food that you can hide in your tunnel that you build in case the world comes to an end kind of thing and you know they're very given to that well he's he's a money guy he understands how to sell to people he understands how to he and Tammy were responsible I would say for a third of the budget at CBN when it first started I mean they were just gifted that way she'd get on there and sing and win people to Christ and he'd get on there and give his kind of little humble pitch and people would just call in they were anointed to do that stuff but you can't take the power of God and pervert it and put darkness in on it because you'll get dark results so I see no reason why a Christian program should be given over to fundraising 90% of their it's supposed to be a ministry and so it's it's just, just unfortunate because if you don't renounce that and continue to walk in the light of God that darkness is right there for you to grab uh, in times of stress you get bills to pay for the ministry and Somebody says, well, you know, if you'll sell this, did you know you can get so much and so much? Well, if it doesn't come from from willing people, how profitable is it going to be and, and why are you raising this money you know and that kind of thing so so those things all I'm saying is that many times people don't continue to seek God to remedy the darkness within them because they're afraid of what that darkness is going to dismantle your whole program you know it's going to cause you not to be able to do your fundraising like you all of that kind of stuff it kind of haunts people and so darkness is always there within us and we still feel responsible for it well you're not responsible for it you can renounce it 
God can deliver you of the influence of darkness in your own thinking. You can get to the point where you can accept God's will, embrace God's will, and love the will of God. You can love light more than darkness. Amen? And so when you understand that process of God bringing light into an entire situation, even if you have to repent, even if you get uh, exposed, some of the things in your thinking are not quite right the way they should be. If that process happens, rejoice because God is going to make it all good in the end he's going to settle it out you don't have to be right all the time you know when do Christians get to the point we have to defend ourselves all the time especially against one another we're not enemies here we're all trying to get to the same place serving the same God fighting the same stinking devil and so we need to trust each other and put our defenses arguments away put your boxing take your boxing gloves off when you come to church you don't have to go in fighting everything like somebody's attacking you or they're against you and all this kind of stuff if you're doing the word and the word comes forth what's against you you know nothing's against you so if you embrace the word the way you are supposed to and you're committed to do the word then there's nothing against you so you don't have to fear uh, God's people and you don't have to fear God bringing light in on your situation and here there may be some instruction that he'll give you but that doesn't make you a bad person because you need instruction you understand what I'm saying we've got to lighten up a little bit and quit being so sensitive about everything you know it's just for this gospel is for toughies this is not for wimps you got me you can't keep that thing on you uh, and and still go forward in God that's part of darkness so many hesitate because we feel responsible for the darkness and afraid of what God will reveal to us as well but we shouldn't because his word remedies both the darkness in us and the darkness obscuring our view in in the situation so when God comes in he floods light in on the whole situation Uh, we get a remedy and a cure he remedies the situation if we'll obey him and he'll bring light into that and it will begin to uh, um, conform to his word just like the earth did he said let there be light and there was light and when God saw the light he separated the light from the darkness he'll do that every time he'll separate out what's good in your thinking and what's not good in your thinking and then he looks at what he did and he said now that's good before it wasn't good but now it's good because I've got darkness where it belongs I've got light where it belongs the light is free now to do what I've called light to do and what does light do it creates hope it creates enlightenment it brings knowledge takes away ignorance it reverses everything that darkness does so where darkness brings wickedness uh, light brings justice enlightenment it brings goodness with it it brings love with it and the fruit of the spirit with it and so there is no manifestation of light without all of those components the goodness of God the mercy of God the truth of God it brings all of those things and the power of God to bring things into divine order into into divine alignment sometimes people have a hard time adjusting to the light they are accustomed to wearing the cloak of darkness 
and they will continue to try and pull that darkness over themselves to cover themselves up because they don't want truth to be revealed and and when when lightness light kind of just permeates a situation it is harder and harder to resist the light the light is extremely more powerful and then darkness is it, it sometimes will cause confusion on a person who tries to pull the darkness in in a greater fashion they just get confused and and befuddled i remember that uh we well, we had on the the internet on Facebook throwback Thursday with the with the uh, gangster night that we had and uh, I told somebody I said we lost half our crowd after that meeting I said we didn't realize there's so many religious people coming in trying to masquerade as people of light but God has his reasons for doing things and so when we when we started talking about uh, gangster and the devil and you know having a good time in God's house that was just too much for a lot of people you know oh, uh, they can't do that why are they doing that you know all that came out and I thought well these people have no sense of humor what's wrong with them you know that kind of stuff but there's so many people stuck in traditional mindsets of God is mean God's not fun God is tough he's hard on us he's and they were thinking they were coming to meetings that were going to talk about prayer in that way you know only certain people can pray because God only have you pray if you're this and you're that and you're the other and I'm thinking whoa who's he going to use you know (laughs) you're not this that and the other either nor am I you know let's quit fooling ourselves but it's interesting when the light of the truth of God is good and God is understanding and he's allowing you to uh, explain and, and do things in a way that demonstrates who he is you know long before we had rigid church services we had prophets who would act out the word of God you know that's always been a part of God's message system is and when prophets start doing things they'll they tend to get very dramatic and you know that's why people can understand them very well you know I I always said when you leave one of our meetings you're not leaving confused you know exactly what God says and you know why he says it and and that's that's the way God wants to deliver truth to people Uh, Amy Simple McPherson got in trouble with illustrated sermons well she lived out in California and movies were all the thing back in the day and uh, you know she rode a motorcycle out on the ramp one time and you know did all kinds of things to demonstrate a truth that she was trying to get across to people now there's some people that's not their gift you know and it falls very flat if that's not your gift and I've seen people pay great sums of money for expensive backdrops and all that kind of stuff and it kind of now why'd you waste our time doing that that wasn't even anointed that didn't but you know what I'm saying if that's your gift that's your gift you roll with what you got and so there were times when we did the thing uh, the rocky thing you know with the boxing there a lot of people got upset about that you know they because they come like they did to see Jesus they come to criticize they don't come to receive the word they come to judge and so that'll get rid of all of your judges real quick you know if you you do these things and you'll find that the judges leave and the 
And then you're kind of left with your crowd. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we did a lot of things, demonstrated a lot. And I remember when when we stopped because we were trying to get a little uh, skit together and we couldn't do it because everything was falling through. And so I kind of got the impression from God, you know, our days of having to demonstrate the word like that are pretty much over. You know what I'm saying? So, And people now, people understand. And you can come up to a little bit higher level of getting them to understand things when you act them out it's really uh, for people who have to see something in order for the truth to come into them once a person's spirit is matured you don't have to do so much of that Uh, you can do a a sermon and and don't have to demonstrate so much of what you're talking about and so you know and so but you use those tools if God ever said use them again I'd use them again in a heartbeat you understand what I'm saying because you want to get truth to people it's not about trying to look impressive dramatic or anything like that you know but if that's your gift then that's your gift and you wrote with what you got and it and it pays off because you'll find that people do understand things I think that's one thing they've already always said about our teaching is very plain you know anybody can understand it and and people it's refreshing to people because many times people come from backgrounds and churches where half of it screamed at them and they don't understand the screaming and and they can't take notes and and nothing makes sense to them and so when you get where people can get in that light where they can get knowledge and understanding you know you want to keep them in that light so so but you know God will reveal darkness he wants to to get us out of darkness and he wants to the darkness not to obscure our view he wants us to stay in his goodness because that that's the best place to be. So his word will remedy both the darkness in our souls and the darkness obscuring our view. So the darkness within and the darkness without gets taken care of when God says let there be light. And the darkness he separates from the light. Sometimes that's why you separate friends is that God is separating darkness from light. You make your decision to stay in the light. They make their decision to follow the darkness and God puts the division there. So the division is not your doing. It's God's doing. It's not their doing. It's God's doing. You got me? And God will keep us in the light because he wants us to stay in the light. Much of our darkness has to do with the mind. Deception causes us to operate in worldly knowledge instead of the light and revelation of God. Sometimes we just grab what's available to us because we were in a hurry to get an answer. And so you can grab onto worldly knowledge because you're in a hurry to get an answer. It's not like God can't, you know, we always think God can't answer us when we need to hear from him. But he can. God's not always slow. We need to get that impression of God out of our heads. I think we're slow to believe him to work quickly. And that's why he's, he's, he, he uh, winds up having to work at our speed because we won't believe him to do anything other than that. And so uh, once the light uh, reveals God's will, then we see that his will is good. Once we're enlightened, if you're in darkness and God reveals something to you, you're going to go with your own mind. So he has to remove the blinders from us first and then bring light into the situation and we can see that it's good. If he doesn't remove the blinders first, he will remove them shortly thereafter. 
You'll see this with Jesus many times when he would minister to people. Somebody got healed and he takes them aside and explains to them what happened. You know, he won't leave you in darkness because you wind up in the pokey again if he does. He did that with the woman with the issue of blood. He wanted to know me. Who did that? Who did that? Who's that? Who? Where's that person at? Where's that person at? When he found her, he explained to her how her healing happened. He always wants to do that with us folks. He doesn't want us just to run up to the altar, grab something that's only going to last us for a little time. He has a higher purpose in all of this when the light comes in. So once the light reveals God's will, we see that it is good. And we can expect good out of a situation. So I don't care who uh, who did what. When God comes in, it's considered good uh, from there on, from there forward. And you can expect goodness to come out of it over and over and over again. You might watch a little too closely and see, oh, well, you know, I don't see any change. Well, quit looking for change. <laughs> Start declaring God's goodness in the situation. See, doubt always looks for change. We don't think that, but it's part of darkness. You know, light trusts. You know, doubt's always watching something, looking for them. What mood are they in today? Well, they seem to be getting better, and then yeah, shut up. Just let God work. You got me? Because what will happen is darkness will obscure your vision, your enlightenment, and damage your prayers. You know, many times we want to see situations getting better so badly that we'll invent goodness and quit praying or slack up on our prayers. You want to always continue to pray into situations and don't change your confession and don't change your prayer. Amen. Because God will begin to bring light in it and light is always good. One of the situations that I was thinking about was Job's friends that kept darkness on his situation throughout Job's infirmity and actually they said they were bringing light to him. Uh So here you have a situation where a bunch of opinions were really merely opinions until God showed up and began to speak into Job's situation. So it's kind of interesting how we will allow... Even though we belong to God, Job appears to be have been a priest unto God, at least for his family. If not for others, it appears that he was a man of renown. Uh, he talks about how when he would go into the gates of the city, uh, people would, would extend uh, courtesy to him and, and get up from their seats and, and allow him to come in and get the highest seat there. He may have even been a judge. So what you see here is is a minister who has kind of fallen on hard times and you see the vultures coming to put the nail in the coffin on him these people aren't really there to try and help him or to give him God's counsel because they never do they make comments like um, Job made this comment in Job 17 1 through 2 he said my spirit is broken my days are cut short the grave awaits me how's that for a, a man that's you know making uh, a sacrifice to God how would you like your minister your priest to say that surely mockers surround me my eyes must dwell on their hostility I have to I have to look at these hostile people surrounding me when they come to my bed saying they're coming to help me Bildad speaks up in Job 18 verse 1 
said Bill that the Shuite replied when will you end these speeches be sensible and then we can talk so here they got Job in a, a dark place they got his got him pinned to the mat so now they have to he has to listen and put up with all the negative things that they've ever wanted to say against him so darkness sometimes will beget more darkness until God shows up and says something so Bildad says uh, uh, in uh, 18 1 through 3 did I read that he says uh, when will you end these speeches be sensible then we can talk why are we regarded as cattle and considered stupid in your sight so these men are trying to pump themselves up at Job's expense so you get an understanding that Job is number one not only a wealthy man but a wise man he's a prominent man he's probably a judge over these people because it seems like he sits at the gates of the city that's where judges sit he's also a priest at least to his family because he's making continual offerings and sacrifices so he may even be the priest over that region where he lives so here the minister gets sick and this is what people say about you when you have difficulty in your life there's sin in your life there's something you did wrong there's something wrong with you and not only will they think it but when they get an opportunity to come by and say it they'll say (laughs) to put the nail in the coffin so Bildad puts in his two cents in Job 19 and verse 1 Job starts again and Job replied how long will you torment me and crush me with words ten times now you have reproached me shamelessly you attack me if it is true that I've gone astray my error remains my business alone (laughs) in other words what I'm going through is none of your business so here comes the defensiveness against you see there's nothing but darkness you see darkness begets more darkness begets more darkness begets more darkness until God comes in and speaks and brings light there's no resolution to the darkness these men think they're speaking for God they think they're speaking truth they think they're telling Job why he's there in that situation well really that's not the way to minister to anybody see this is this is a complete picture of bad ministry bad relationships uh, a bad everything friends who pretend to be friends that are not friends after all it's all of the above uh, rolled up into one and only God can bring light and discernment into this situation so Job continues he says if indeed you would exalt yourselves above me and use my humiliation against me then know that God has wronged me and drawn his net around me so in other words he's saying this if if this is true you know and, and you're using this against me it's only God's business between me and God it's God who's put me in this situation not you you can't get me out and you can't make it worse for me so God Job is doing his best to stand up against his accusers he's not doing very well in uh, 20 verse uh, 1 Zophar speaks up and this is this goes on and on and on I'm just giving you some some very few examples of what goes on in this thing so far the Namathite replies my troubled thoughts prompt me to answer because I am greatly disturbed 
I hear a rebuke that dishonors me and my understanding inspires me to reply. Surely you know how it has been from old ever since man was placed on the earth. Now he don't know any of this stuff. That the mirth of the wicked is brief and the joy of goodness lasts but a moment. In other words everybody's going to have uh, times of brief times of doing good. and In other words Job all that wealth that you had is gone now. Okay. It's not gonna. It was never gonna last. It's not going to last. So don't look for God to restore you. In other words, that's what He's doing. They're there to discourage Job and take all of the hope away from him of ever getting better. Uh, when people come to you and want to tell you why something is wrong with you you know there are many people who ask why uh you know it's best to stay away from that and just stay with the word well god's promised to heal you you know it doesn't matter why we're just going to stand with god and get it taken care of some people it's obvious why from their conversation you know don't fall into that trap either because they've got a ready defense for themselves so until god breaks through on this conversation and and really he he was able to break through through some comments made uh, by one of God's detractors in verse 37 you see a different a different twist coming into the conversation I know it takes another 17 chapters before somebody speaks up and says something that's got a little bit of light in it but uh, Elihu one of his one of his critics begins to speak in glorious terms about God. He, he says things like uh, God's voice thunders in uh, chapter 37 verse 4. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. See, Here's one person in all of this who begins to exalt the Lord. And he talks about the greatness of God. And then later on you see God shows up. God shows up in the next chapter as a matter of fact. Why? Because somebody begins to call on him in a real way. They begin to speak truth about God. So God begins to speak through the voice of somebody who otherwise would be a detractor. So you can see God's influence in this conversation. You see he shrouds himself in thick darkness. He's always been there listening to the conversation. Waiting to get in somebody's voice to turn the conversation so he can get involved he's always doing that God is ever present there don't ever think that God doesn't know a situation he doesn't know your situation nor that he doesn't care nor is he not active in the situation that's why you'll see the psalmist say I will bless the Lord at all times I want him in on my business I want him right there to speak up for me I want him right there to get me out of trouble I want him right there to help my situation why because they know it's very easy to block God out when you have difficulty in your life you stay in the darkness of your own mind and you just hang in there because you don't see a way out well you never see a way out until you begin to exalt the Lord so this man begins kind of inadvertently to exalt God he begins to speak in truthful terms about who God is and the next thing you know God shows up and God God begins to answer Job in a way that brings enlightenment to him and I think he does it because he's got relationship with Job 
Job's one of the problems that people get into when they know God or have had some answers from God is they get into a little religious pride where they assume to know things about God that haven't been revealed to them. God's a God of constant revelation. He's a God of continual revelation. So it's not true that even though you've gone through this process once before that it's going to be the same process the second time. God will make it different because he's God. He wants to show a difference between you and him. Job's knowledge of God has tended to get him in some trouble. It says in verse 38 verse 1 then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. And he said this, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? So here we get the definition of darkness again. Lack of knowledge, darkened counsel. He said, brace yourself like a man and I will answer you. And you will answer me. So he kind of stands Job up. He gets him off of this self-pity, this bed of affliction. But he makes Job stand up to him. He makes Job come up to the level where he can relate to him. He he makes him leave the darkness, the self-pity, the confusion that the friends put there, the condemnation. He in, in the King James it says array yourself like a man. In other words it's the same thing Jesus repeated to the man that was on the, the mat and been laying there. He said rise up take up your bed and walk. And what, what God does is he always elevates us to a potential we thought we didn't have five minutes ago and before we were just uh, feeling sorry for ourselves look at how my friends are beating up on me and doesn't anybody feel bad for me how can they treat me like this I've been good to them and all this kind of stuff he makes you get up out of that mindset when you start acting like a healed person faith begins to take over and you increase your capacity to receive more healing you increase your capacity to receive more enlightenment once you get up out of that place where you've been you've got to move you've got to get out of there you've got to keep going so that God can further enlighten you it's easier for him to stop a runaway freight train than to try to beat a dead horse you're going to have to get your own dead horse up and make an effort toward God. There has to be some faith coming toward God in order for him to work. I tell people this all the time and they still think God works in darkness. You know, you know, somebody that wanted to come up to me and whisper what somebody they brought to the meeting needed in prayer. And I'm thinking to myself, how dare you insult God like that? You know, how dare you insult your friend like that? If that person doesn't come up to the altar and ask for help, all my pushing it on them that God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't work in the whisperings of so-called, you know, well-intentioned friends. Uh, suppose that's not what they need that day. And I'm stupid enough to snoop around and try and get all your business and pretend like God's talking to me about you. That's just the height of witchcraft. So you don't do things like that to people. But one of the reasons is because their faith must be involved in it before God will even give them an answer. Coming up the altar is an act of faith. Sometimes that's all it takes for people to get God's attention and for him to decide to work on their behalf and give them an answer is just 
coming up forward and asking for it. And so that's what must be done. Uh, and that's what Job had to do. He had to get up and come to the altar of God and ask for God's help. And God began to help him. And he says, I will question you and you will answer me. Now this probably is the relationship that they've always had. God will start to work with you in ways that are familiar to you to bring you back to understanding in him. In other words, Job was probably the type of man that had enough of a relationship with God where God could question him about things and and help him to, to provide the answer by reasoning with him. So this is a relationship. This isn't a brand new relationship. Job and God it's not like he had no relationship at all he had a relationship where he and God had reasoned together in the past and so God begins to reason together with him again but what this reasoning does is it brings Job out of his pride and into humility before God because that's what got him into the trouble he was in he felt like he had to shield his children from God he was fearful that he would lose everything that he had and so the thing that he feared greatly came upon him he was overcome with the fear of it it wasn't just a thought that he would have and he would cast it down he was overcome with this fear that things would never change for him that it was going to go downhill and nobody could be this blessed without suffering loss and that's exactly what happened to him and so disconnecting himself from God and reasoning in the darkness of his own soul was what brought this upon him and so God was able though when he when you can see the goodness of God because it starts to come into his life after this conversation and God begins to exalt himself above Job that's what was needed God is like I'm here Job you're there let's not get it twisted you know you can't take my place you can't tell me how to treat your children you can't make sacrifices for them knowing that they're in sin you got to counsel them and you know do what I tell you to do for your children and I'll take care of everybody so Job had left a place of trust in God and had to trust him again all of these things had to be restored so then light starts to come into Job's situation we find out at the end of this that Job received twice as much as he had before God totally restored him again with the same wife (laughs) I'll put that in too who turned against him as well and so you know everything was all good God straightened the whole situation this is the happily ever after folks now people say things like well why do he have to lose his kids and you know I know he must have been depressed after all that I don't know but God has a way of fixing that kind of stuff you don't think he can fix it but he can fix it you understand me because if if it wasn't all good God would have said something that you know I gave all this to Job but he still wasn't happy ever again uh-uh. this is the happily ever after God knows how to bring the fruit of the spirit along with everything he gives you you can enjoy what God gives you I don't care when you receive it you know people say well I you know push people are pushing to get everything by the time they're 30 and by the time you're 30 you can't accumulate everything then you don't know how to enjoy everything at that age I know there are things I was glad I didn't get in my youth youth because you know it was just another thing to me there 
once you have to live for God and pray and you know work your way through illness and and you know all that kind of stuff and you begin to understand what life is about then you understand what's important in life and you realize you know what I'm glad I didn't get myself caught up in thing things uh, many years ago you know and and not be able to enjoy the life in God that he has for me now you know how so many people can get so involved in material things after they know the goodness of God is beyond me now there are people that have access to millions and millions of dollars and you never knew it they choose to live a simple life they choose to have you know their legacy is that they refuse the wealth of the world and they give it to the poor they you know and they're they're very trusted people you know we all know who they are you you look and you see the lifestyle of a simple person even though they are very prominent they're uh, respected and they're popular and they have access to millions and millions of dollars but they don't use it on themselves you know they'll build wells in in places where they can't stand to see children suffering and starving and so they'll continue to pour money into that instead of to their own pockets even though it comes through their hands they don't take it for themselves and so we have to understand that there is a, a place where God knows how to keep us in the place of enlightenment and in the place where we can know his he's God and know we're us and it's okay it's all good God's in his position you're in your position and you're not upset about it you're not trying to take his place and, and do his his thing so so it's a good thing when God enlightens us and gives us light and wisdom don't be afraid of the light coming in and exposing what it exposes in you it's a good thing and and God will settle it out he'll help you to accept the light he'll help you to accept understanding he'll help you to accept all of those things sometimes God wants to uh, enlighten us but we don't have the maturity to accept it and receive it you know we'll push away from it we'll shun it uh, for a long time and then God wants to come in and show us all of the good things that the light would bring in but we pushed it away because we didn't want it exposing something in us or we were fearful about the light what it would do you know sometimes you get to the point you think well I've I've got enough trouble you know God just don't give me anything that's going to upset me you know I've got enough on my plate and we don't trust his enlightenment Uh, he knows what we need and he's not there to hurt us he's there to help us and so we can keep keep it straight you know and understand it'll be much easier for us to prosper uh, in difficult times and difficult situations I was thinking I said if Job had talked to the last guy first could have saved himself 38 chapters of getting beat up and all that kind of stuff but you know the way it is so anyhow but God is is good and his mercy endures forever how much uh, time do we have Thirteen. I can probably do this. Um, I'll do one more then. When the uh, voice of God speaks, until God speaks, confusion reigns. Okay, confusion reigns until God speaks. That's what we have in our government. (laughs) Confusion reigning until God speaks you can see a lifting of confusion at the voice of God uh, and then uh, it will 
try to take over again. That's the back and forth of the kingdom of darkness. Whenever the enemy sees God making headway, he'll try to grab on for uh, for control again. And so we'll we'll see that off and on. It just depends on who's speaking for God and uh, what God wants to do and how God is doing it. But that's one of the tools of the enemy to keep his power is to throw confusion into a situation so um, in Mark chapter 4 I found this um, this example and um, for 4 verse 1 it says Jesus began to teach by the lake the crowd gathered around him the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat sat in it out on the lake while the people were along the shore at the water's edge so you see Jesus not being able to stay on land with the people the crowd is so big he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching he said this listen a farmer went out to sow his seed oh I don't want to read all of that I got to take you over to where I need to be sorry about that I want to go over uh, down a little bit to verse I think it's 35 okay so he's been teaching all day and at the end of the night they come to this place he's taught all these parables when the, when the evening came in verse 35 he said to his disciples let us go over to the other side okay now this may sound like a request but really everything Jesus says is prophecy it will come to pass okay so this is one thing that the disciples don't understand about him yet that his words can never fail and the father backs up all of his words with his power and so this begins to be a prophecy where Jesus is commanding that they all go over to the other side leaving the crowd behind him they took him along just as he was in the boat so they all got in the boat where Jesus was he's been sitting out there teaching all day and so they join him in the boat and they start rowing over to the other side and there was also other boats with him a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that was nearly swamped Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion the disciples woke him and said to him teacher don't you care if we drown he got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves quiet be still then the wind died down and it was completely calm he said to his disciples why are you so afraid do you still have no faith in other words <laughs> it's like I've been teaching all day I'm tired <laughs> you know I'm trying to take a nap I'm thinking y'all standing here in faith and what you doing you bugging me huh? so they'll pay for this one okay so <laughs> they were they were terrified when they asked each other who is this even the winds and the waves obey him so this was really a um, darkness over their minds amen because they didn't understand who Jesus was yet they hadn't made a decision they hadn't seen a prophet there wasn't a prophet since the days of Malachi I think that was maybe like four or five hundred years until John the Baptist many of them listened to John but John was speaking of Jesus whom he was introducing and Jesus would be the greater light that would come so Jesus was the one to listen to but they had their doubts so here we have a situation where doubt brings darkness 
clouds their understanding of him and also their understanding of themselves because Jesus begins to reveal to them you could have done the same thing I did where is your faith that I've been trying to build what did you put your faith in in other words did you put your faith in darkness or did you put your faith in the light you got to understand too the disciples are human beings many of them get up in the morning and think who's going to be the smartest kid in the class today who's going to be sitting at his right hand or on his left he's promised us a new kingdom when are we going to overthrow Caesar and I can get a big house or my, my, my wife's bugging me why, why are you hanging around this man oh he's going to put us he's going to set us up he's going to get us in the kingdom we're going to have this we're going to have that what's my old lady going to say to me when I don't have a house yet and all of this stuff so they're, they are looking for what they consider to be goodness what they consider and it's all coming out of a dark mind coming out of a darkened mind so when God starts to enlighten he takes all of the darkness off he removes all of the hindrance to the entrance of his word he begins to convert minds convert hearts change people that's what God does when he enlightens and he comes into a situation so here you see a situation of confusion really that's set in motion by the turbulence on the sea it's a it's a, a spirit of confusion that comes in. This will help you some in your prayers when you pray for uh, things like um, storms and and that kind of stuff. And you can take authority over that and see for yourself that it works. It works just like it did with Jesus. Uh, we think sometimes these things are oh you know I couldn't possibly control the whole thing. Well he did, and uh, you know he did it as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost in power amen just like we are if you believe that and believe who you are and who you are in Christ you'll find yourself doing great things probably one of the first miracles we we saw in the ministry was taking authority over the weather you know we just did it because we felt it was necessary it rained too much you know sometimes you can see there was some rain you know doesn't bug you but it rained too much it was hindering God's work from getting done and so that's what you do you take authority and as sure as we commanded the sun to come out the cloud moved away and the sun came out so just continue like that you understand what I'm saying because that's what you do when you believe God so Jesus was able to calm this water and and because he already had set in motion his will his will was go to the other side. It wasn't to drown in the boat. So when his will is already set in motion and it's known, you can appeal to God when it looks like his will isn't being honored. You appeal to God for his will to be honored. And so this is, was the will of God. So in, in, because all of Jesus' words came to pass, his vision was to get everybody to the other side so Jesus is already holding on to faith vision and everything he sees everybody getting out of that boat intact nothing missing nothing broken but the disciples don't see it what you need to do when confusion sets in is bring yourself into remembrance of what God told you who is the author of confusion it's not God the Bible says he's the author of peace so when confusion sets in the wind starts telling the waves what to do 
Look at your Bible. Huh? This is how the devil controls large forces of things through powers of confusion and powers of disorder. Powers of darkness. It is not God's will to toss people around in a boat and cause them to drown. Ever. Confusion set in. So it says here um, the, the uh, when confusion comes in the wind got it says tempestuous or it was what, what word did they use here? Uh, a furious squall came up. Furious. Anything with fury that implies death and destruction and brings fear with it is of the devil. It's not of God. So it's not God's will for people to stay on a little small boat with water coming up over the sides and just ride it out. It's God's will for them to get over to the other side. And when you're getting over to the other side is in jeopardy or it's in doubt. You need to call and God needs to speak into that again. So God's already spoken once. We're going to the other side. That seems to be in jeopardy. So the sea becomes tempestuous. And it released confusion on the surface of the water. So the wind just starts to stir up on its own and get out of order. And it caused confusion on the surface of the water. Jesus merely settles an argument between the wind and the waves. Okay, So the wind and the waves are having a little children spat. That's the way God looks at it. I created these two to get along so that they can get over to the other side. And now they're fussing at each other. So Jesus comes in. And he tells the he got up verse 39 rebuked the wind he told the wind shut up and don't mess with the sea anymore and he told the sea to quiet down and be still that's all he said he put things back in order the way he created them they all get along very nicely and then they start to go over to the other side just like it said and so that's all he expected the disciples to do don't come to me whining and moaning and complaining about things that you can take care of yourself that's what he expects all believers to do to pray his word and take care of these things themselves so that they're not suffering they don't feel they're at the mercy of the elements of the sea or any of that stuff you have authority over all the works of the enemy Don't look at it as having authority over the sea. That will be too much for you. But if you look at it as having authority over all the works of the enemy you can do this. And so he begins to rebuke them because they don't use their faith. He said where is your faith? Well your faith is in the confusion. It's in the darkness. You can pull it out of there just like you put it in there. And pull your faith out of the confusion and the darkness. And he asked them, why are you so afraid? Did you see how quickly I took care of that situation? So you can do the same thing if you keep your faith in the right place. So for us, it's a matter of keeping our faith in the light of God. In what he, he has created us for, for us to do. So Jesus brings peace. He's sleeping because he's peaceful. 
He's the prince of peace. He has nothing but peace to offer any situation. He doesn't carry confusion. He doesn't carry doubt. Those are foreign elements to him. Those are foreign dark spirits to him. He's not going to get involved in it. But when he comes he will dispel all of that. And bring the essence of himself into situation. Which is peace for everything to come come into being. But trust me Jesus looks at that not as controlling the elements like it's so hard. Like human do he looks at it just as settling things and putting them back in who told you when to come up here and mess with him who told you to bother the waves tonight you go back where you're supposed to be and you leave him alone and see you quit letting him stir you up and mess with you like that that's how he sees it as things that he created under his control he wants us to see things the same way folks not as this great great big old storm hurricane so and so and they give it this day ah, 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 ah. these are merely elements that God has created and if they're causing damage to human beings we have authority to put it right again amen amen father we thank you for enlightening us and giving us understanding of what we can expect when you speak in the situations into our hearts and our minds and our lives that you have great things for us to do for you as we speak into situations that you have called to be in divine order so we thank you Lord for divine order we thank you for divine goodness we thank you for your mercy in Jesus name amen and praise God if anybody needs prayer come on up and get prayer